Welcome to the Redeemed Women Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Bierman. I am beyond excited for this conversation with Lauren Starnes. If you don't know her, you've definitely seen her. She's just amazing in many different areas, but especially music. And um, she and I talk about her upbringing and her faith journey. And then we really get into music. We get into kind of her journey and how she became the leader that she is now. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'm like the least musically talented person ever, but I really felt like I learned some things and I have a whole new appreciation for what our band and what our team does each and every Sunday. So um, I hope you guys will just give this a listen and send some love to Lauren and our other musicians. So rah, rah. (laughs) No, uh, I I really am super pumped to talk to you. I um, was thinking about it this morning, obviously, and I was like, I kind of feel like one, like you you might be one of the most like familiar faces to people in our community Mm -hmm. just because you've been leading worship for so long. Yeah. But then it wasn't even just lead worship, but like you've done a bunch of other stuff too. Been like busy. With college right. and uh, the parenting class. I was like, yeah. dang, this girl's had her hands in some stuff. So, I mean, the one, the only, Lauren Starnes. The one. Here she is. Really doing it. <laughs> her baby's taking a nap. I mean, you're we're, sacrificing we're for doing the kingdom it. this morning. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you're Lauren Starnes. But for people who don't know you other than the voice of the angel, oh what, um, just tell us a little bit about you, like where you're from, your family, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yes. Lauren Starnes, voice Lauren Barry angel. Starnes, LB. Yeah. That's, uh, that's on my business card, <laughs> voice of an angel. Uh, I lead with that usually. Um, yeah, I, uh, I grew up in Dallas, Texas and, um, come from a wonderfully sarcastic, witty uh, bunch uh, that I would call my family. And uh, I've got an older brother, uh, Chris, and my parents, and um, step-siblings and stepmom, and just a hodgepodge of folks yep. that we yep. call family. And uh, married to the one and only Trevor Starnes. Um, the one and only. Who is usually found, if I'm in front of people, is usually found in the back corner by himself. I was about to say, the two most opposite. (laughs) Truly, yeah. I mean, we did uh, marriage counseling with Matt Francisco, and he was like, you know, there aren't many people that are as opposite as the two of you are. But because I know you so well, I think it's going to work out. And it has actually been the greatest pairing of all time. Uh, So praise the Lord for that. But yes, Trevor and I um, have been married for seven and a half years-ish, and yeah, really doing it. Very wise. We have it all figured out. Um, We've got three kids. We've got a four-year-old Everett, a three-year-old Redding, who we call Jojo. Um, That's just like a fun little nickname. So his name's Redding Joseph, and when he was little... Evie called him Redding Joe, and then it turned into JoJo. Okay. But is it, yeah, it's a very big jump. That. People are yeah. like, it's like, Redding, right? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, I would have expected Red or uh-huh. you know, something like that. Yeah, okay. which is, has enough explanation anyway, because he was named after one of my favorite musicians, Otis Redding. Um, mm. And then, yeah, and then we jumped to JoJo. So he's all over the place. Poor kid doesn't know his name. Yeah. Um, Middle child. Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'll, like I'll, I'll take later. whatever. Right. Just call my name. <laughs> um, and then our baby girl, Leland, who is asleep one room over from where we are right now, um, who's five months old. Mm. Yeah. That's Sweet. a quick gist. I'm on staff here at Redeemer as our worship director. How long have you been on staff now? That's a great question. It, it's, you it'll were be on staff three at the beginning years. of COVID, right? Uh-huh. Wait, it'll, three years? It'll be three years in September. What? I think. Maybe two years. Who can do math I these don't days? know. I so don't I know. came on staff. My first Sunday <clears throat> was the Sunday that we switched to four services. Oh, okay. So yeah, no, that's been a minute. So I think it was 2019. It'll be oh two years. Gosh. Who knows? I don't know. I was I also mean, on staff that before that. Really, yeah. Uh, 
part-time with our college ministry mm-hmm. um, when Matt came on to That's start when that. That's pregnant. I, I was pregnant with Redding. With Redding. Uh, and then took some time off and then felt called back into ministry, which is a whole other spiel we could get into later. Um, so yeah, at what capacity? Who knows? <laughs> I think. You've just been here for a minute. Right. Have you, Maybe have be you guys years. been at Redeemer since you got married? So we've been at Redeemer since we were dating. We oh, came okay. in 2000, 2000. We came in <laughs> 2013 um, after I graduated. Okay. We made the trek on over. Okay. And then y'all got married when? 2014. 14. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we came in 2014. So y'all were here just a little bit before yeah. us. We're in the good old cornerstone. We had just moved to this building awesome. when Josh and I started. So yeah. we have only ever been in this building, which is kind of bizarre. It is crazy. I feel like we've been here a long time. For sure. But like literally we just missed like, I think when we first started coming, it had been a few months that we've of been us in being this in building. this building. Because it was kind of like, yeah, like people would, it was like a topic of conversation. For sure. Um, old School like, Redeemer well, loves to we... talk about Old School Redeemer. Oh, I love sure. it. For sure. <laughs> we love living Do you in remember the past. back in the day when we yeah. met in Joel's yeah. living room and the majority of our church is like, we have no idea what you're talking no, about, Lena. but that's great. Yeah. We love we, it. I've been to Joel's house <laughs> once for the dinner and yeah. And that's it. Um, So... You know, like I said, one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because you're just awesome. Um, and anyone who's come in contact with you knows that that's true. Okay. And uh, I was telling you before this, like, there are very few people that I'm like, yeah, just just talk. Just tell me <laughs> stuff, you know. Um, but you're one of those. Like, I just really do feel like you've been gifted and have even had, like, some leadership roles in so many different avenues. I'm like, we really could talk about anything. Yeah. Um, so that being said, I kind of want to just talk about you. <laughs> um, and I'm sure all of those different aspects will come up. But yeah. so if you don't mind, kind of tell us about your faith journey. How did you come to know the Lord? When was that? Yeah, it's um, it's been a slow process, a slow wooing. Um, mm-hmm. from the Lord. I grew up, um, I mean, I grew up in Dallas, so obviously the name of Jesus wasn't yeah. extremely far-fetched, but I didn't grow up in a home that professed Jesus. I didn't grow up in a religious home or, um, a believing home. And, um, my parents split when I was three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really didn't know anything other than that. I thought I had the best childhood. I had two homes I got to go to and two Christmases yeah. and two birthdays. And, um, I always say that my parents had probably like the best divorce you could have in the mm-hmm. sense that they, um, never put us in the middle of it. My brother and I, they never made it dramatic. They never spoke poorly about each other. They, um, they were always co-parented. kind to yeah, each other. Very well. Um, and so I just, I honestly, as a kid thought that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what life was. My best friend growing up, her parents were split too. And so Truly, my like two pictures of family um, were that of divorce couples. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd, my parents weren't believers. My dad grew up in a heavily Catholic background, um, mm. so that side of my family is heavily Catholic. And um, my dad, over the years, has just been really hurt by the church at large, mm. the Big C Church, and then specifically people in. Um, his like direct contact um towards him and he's a he's a historian and maybe the most intellectual human i know apart from my brother and he um it's hard for him to shake a lot of the things that he's seen throughout the history of time with church and my mom kind of grew up as a nominal christian um and has since come into like a really beautiful deep relationship but when i was a kid it just wasn't wasn't a thing Um, so when I was coming to faith, it really, some of my first exposures to Jesus were, um, my brother going to young life camp and coming back and telling me about it. And then, gosh, I um, like, I just like, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just so, so crazy. Love that ministry. Um, and then my mom was a full-time working mom. She worked in the corporate world, uh, for the Dallas morning news and Dallas. She was a boss. Yeah. That I mean, is a boss. Yeah. That lady. Yeah. yeah. She was vice president of community services there for basically my whole childhood, just crushing it. Yeah. And 
So that also meant that in the summers she needed to find somewhere for me to be uh, Mm -hmm. because she was busy crushing the corporate world. And I ended up going to this camp um, called Camp Elhar in Dallas that I spent the majority of my summer at. And it was a Christian camp and a lot of exposure to the gospel there Um, and a lot of people investing in me, counselors um, investing in me. We were talking about this the other day Mm -hmm. that I've always been an old soul that uh, probably sounds odd if I were to tell you that I was friends with college counselors when I was like in late elementary school, but I genuinely was. Mm-hmm. I was in their weddings and we hung out outside of camp and um, I've just always clicked uh, with older people. What's the age gap between you and your brother? Six years. Okay. I have a little bit of a theory because I'm an only child uh-huh. and I was similar. I, kn- I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an old soul, right? but I think I was just very accustomed to being around adults, adults yeah. and like people who are older than me. For sure. And so I same, like I was in second grade and one of my best friends was like ninth grade. Right. You know, so like, <laughs> you're like, you think about it now. Yeah, you're you like, think, I'm like, mom, world? what were you doing? But like, we were legitimately friends. Right. So yeah, I, it, I, I'm, I'm interested. I think there's like, there has to be some kind of correlation. For there. sure. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, um, I interrupted. No, that's great. Um, so yeah, I grew up at that camp and was exposed to the gospel there. And it, it was just kind of a like, I was always just really interested in it. But because it wasn't preached in my home and because it wasn't an identity for like my immediate family, I didn't think it was for me, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, my family is a, a group of witty folks, like I said, who are highly intellectual and very athletic. And that's just kind of who mm-hmm. the Barry family was, minus my mom, who doesn't have an athletic bone in her body, um, which she will coach. tell you. My dad's a football coach. My brother played football throughout college. Okay. Um, I grew up playing soccer and volleyball and basketball and the mm-hmm. whole gamut. So it's just kind of who we were. Um, and then in junior high, I um, I just was really interested in, and I've always felt at home and at peace within the big C church. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to have more of it. And I obviously couldn't drive because I was in junior yeah. high. Um, so I would just catch rides to whatever church I could go to. I was going to an Episcopalian church. I was going to a Methodist church. I was going to a Presbyterian church. Yeah. I was just going wherever a friend could come pick me up and yeah. take me. Um, and... It started like, again, I was just interested. I don't think I really knew who Jesus was, but I was, I felt at home Mm -hmm. um, and I felt accepted and welcomed in all of these places. And um, yeah. And then in high school, I think I started to really started to click. I had landed at my home church, Watermark in Dallas and had a mentor there, Melissa, who just poured her life over me Mm -hmm. and challenged me with accountability and challenged me to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I think there it was like, oh, so this is what this has been, like this a culmination. Yes, it had been a culmination. Right. (laughs) Um, To this point that that God had been pursuing me slowly, Mm -hmm. building me out. And it's just like a, I was thinking about the other day of how overwhelming that that idea is, Mm -hmm. that he would seek someone out for such a long period of time. Some stories are instantaneous. Some stories it's, Paul on the road to Damascus, and it's just this immediate awakening. But he was wooing me for years and years and years and and creating this foundation that was so rich mm-hmm. from so many touch points of the greater church coming and investing in me. I didn't have this like deep spiritual well within my family. I didn't have yeah. this generational pass down of this, which I think is beautiful for people to have. It's I mean, you're seeking it right now. Yeah, you're doing it. Totally right with now, my own kids, kids. Yeah. Um, and instead, my story was different. My my story was the church seeing me and loving me, coming after me, making space mm-hmm. for me, and Jesus revealing himself through that, which was really yeah. cool. I feel like, you know, a lot of times, you know, my personal story is seeing the uh, hospitality and friendship mm-hmm. of other believers that kind of wooed me in right and I feel like for you I see a little bit of more just like the older like generation like pulling you in kind of that family aspect and so for me I find myself very much so like leaning into like I want to have people over hospitality friendship that kind of stuff do you find yourself going like family like I want to bring these people in like do you feel like it's changed kind of how you are now like Post Jesus. Totally. How do you think that that's playing a role in how you and Trevor are running your household or 
just even like how you're dealing with people of different generations. Yeah. I feel like it, it always impacted. I always felt like it started to click in high school and I was, you know, mentored again by Mel, who's just one of the most incredible humans I've ever met. And she really modeled that for me. And then when I got into college, I had older girls investing mm -hmm. in me again. And then it turned around my junior year. I had the chance to start investing in two um, girls who are wonderful women now who I still keep up with. And then I led another group of women after that of, of seven girls who were friends in college. And then after that, I started meeting with girls one-on-one -on -one and I was doing mm -hmm. college ministry. And I, and I feel like um, that's what I want to do with my life. That I, I want to invest in people and I want to spend time with people and um, yeah, our family, we, we always talk about as a family that we want our dinner table to look like the kingdom and we want it to be made up of lots of generations and we want it to be made up of, um, beautiful skin colors and we want it to be made up of all sorts of people so that our kids are exposed to God's heart, that they're exposed to this picture of, of what the wholeness of the kingdom is, is it is, you know, and um so yeah that's always that's our prayer is we want to have um an open seat and and a life that pours out um towards that so we had opportunities to serve as home group leaders here at redeemer and that was an avenue for that um mm -hmm. and now we feel like god is kind of transitioning us towards um really seeing diversity play out within our body and and wanting to be a part of that and wanting to be a welcoming source for that um mm -hmm. here at redeemer and so we've kind of taken a step back from home group leadership so that we can open up our table and open up our house more yeah. um but yeah it's funny like we're taking a step back from home group leadership exactly. where we have like 15 people into our house every right. week so that we can open up our house right. more. <laughs> right. like, yeah. Not, not, yeah, not a technical break. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a, a shifting in, in who the audience is. Yeah, um, totally. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when all of this is going on, I mean, the, the wooing, I feel like that really is mm -hmm. like the best term for what the Lord did for you, just yeah. the, the wooing that he did for you. How? What was your family's response to yes. all of this? Yeah, I mean, it's been a mixture of things. Um. My family is one of the most supportive, loving, stable group of people, mm -hmm. um, and they have a lot of respect for me um, as an individual. Uh, but at the same time, I I was becoming part of something that they didn't understand, mm -hmm. um, and you know, all all of their stories are kind of different in the in their relationship with religion in general or with Jesus specifically, and. Um, so all of all of it has been a little bit different. I've always felt loved. I've yeah. always felt um, cared for. Um, my dad's reaction to it, um, he is just uh, we're cut from the same cloth, and so yeah. we just we understand each other really deeply. And uh, I think his worry has always been like, is my daughter a part of a cult? Like, <laughs> is, is this something I should be protecting her from? Because mm -hmm. um, again, he's a historian who. Um, has seen lots of things play out over mm -hmm. the course of his life with the church and people claiming Jesus and yeah. people who are whack jobs <laughs> doing yeah. all of these things. And I think it's hard when your daughter is so heavily involved in something and you aren't connected to it, mm -hmm. which was my dad's side. He wasn't really connected to it because I didn't spend much of my time with him. We mm -hmm. lived with my mom primarily. And um, so that was hard for him, especially when I felt called to the mission field. I had opportunities to serve in Lusaka, Zambia and South Africa and Uganda and Malaysia and all these places. Every time it was this fight of like, why in the world would you risk your life for something like yeah. this? This is ridiculous. You're crazy. Yeah. And um, just not understanding each other on that, that it was it was worthy of my time. It was worthy of the call. It was worthy of the risk, whatever it was. And then as a parent now, I see from his point of view how difficult it would have been to send my kid yeah. across the country with a group of people I don't know for a cause that I don't understand yeah. and to give 100% approval and say, yep, good well, luck. <laughs> and even as a parent, like, I remember, I think John was like a little baby or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, you're praying these big prayers, right? <laughs> especially your firstborn. You're praying, you're throwing it all out there, you know. <laughs> And but but one of my ongoing prayers for all of my children is that you know they would know the Lord 
Mm. Um, it would change their life forever that they would just know and obey, listen and obey. Um, and I was thinking about that one time and I was like, what if that means him like going to the Middle East and right. like I see him like once every five years mm. or I don't get to see my grandchildren. Like, Let me reel that prayer you know? right and, back and, and it's one of those things where it's like, I understand the call. I For understand sure. the need. I under, like, I do trust this. Mm. And that's still it's really hard. Yeah. I'm like, no, how about you just like move next door and raise me some grandbabies? And, you know, Absolutely. Like, let's just do this. Like, let's yeah. just do this like the, the quote right. normal way. <laughs> right. right? Um, and so, yeah, I can totally empathize now where I'm like, oh, yeah, I could imagine. You, you don't want to just ship your kid over, especially totally. like you're 19, 20, 21 year right. old. You're like, are you an adult yet? I don't know. Maybe. Yes. Exactly. Uh. And the first time I served overseas, <clears throat> I was 16. And I remember being like, you're crazy, dad. Of mm -hmm. course, this is safe. Of course, this is a good Because idea. you're 16. You're right. like, yeah. I think I'm invincible. Yeah. <laughs> this is, like, what I could know happen? these people. Right. This yeah. is going to be awesome. And it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and my mom's journey was a little bit different. Um, I lived with her primarily. And one thing I love to champion my mom in it, throughout my story is, although she wasn't really walking with Jesus and our life looked a little bit different mm -hmm. in, in our engagement with the, the bigger church, um, she made a point to get to know all of these mentors in my life. So mm -hmm. my camp counselors who I was friends with outside of camp and um, Mel when I got into high school and Katie when I got into high school, um, all of these people that were investing in me, she built friendships with. So there was mm -hmm. a level of trust that she had with these people. My mom's a great reader of people mm -hmm. in general. And so um, there was trust in that. And then there was trust in me to use wisdom mm -hmm. in these older relationships. I think that that's, um, it's tricky. Not all of that goes well for people. Right. And as parents, I think we need to be wise about the people that are investing in our children mm -hmm. and the people that are alone with our kids, for sure. For sure. Um, but by God's grace, every single one of those relationships was for my benefit. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them was an outpouring of of love and of friendship and yeah. of gospel community. Um, it was such a grace in my life when I think about how much time I spent with people that were like 10 years older than me. Yeah. And I was just along for the ride to come hang out. <laughs> um, but yeah, her reaction was a lot of, I see that this makes you happy. Therefore, it makes me happy. The whole you being an old soul, like kind of mature, more mature for your age probably helped. Like for I sure. was thinking about like, there are some 16 year olds that I imagine as a parent, you would be very um, apprehensive totally. to send them away by themselves with someone who's 10 years older. but. There are other 16-year-olds where you're like, you're so wise, and you've just proven time and time again that I can trust you. So right. sure. Like, well, you know, and so cool it's like knowing your kid world, and right. also knowing for sure. the adult. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, my, my parents deserve a lot, of, a lot of praise for the way that they trusted me yeah. growing up. So I want to talk a little bit about, like, I mean, those relationships, especially in high school, mm. seem to be really pivotal. So pivotal so yeah. you were at watermark and mel uh -huh. yep i mean she just i mean did she just like come up to you like how did that even yeah. happen like hey i'm going to disciple you right. and pour my life into you she, like, would. she and would she'd be the one to come like hunt you from across the room um she was on staff um so we had a team of uh three it was braun and david and mel and um she was kind of our like women's lead for our high school mm -hmm. girls and I think our students at large and a lot of her role was to invest in the leaders who were investing in students okay and so it was kind of it was a similar structure to what we do here it was like small groups or home groups of mm -hmm. um, high school students and then leaders and then she kind of invested into, into those leaders. leaders got it but by my junior and senior year she was kind of itching to to be a part of a group. And so she joined um, one of our other leaders, Katie, and invested in this group. There were probably nine of us um, okay. that were in this group that were made up of a couple different high schools, but we all went to Watermark. And I mean, it was just rich time. I think about it now, and I think how shaping that time was with those girls, that it was true accountability in high mm -hmm. school, which was really rare. And mm -hmm. it was challenging each other with scripture and it was really digging in 
And I realized how rare that was when I got to Samford and I wanted that out of relationships and I was yeah, hoping to get depth. that. Yeah. And I like jumped in and people were like, you need to chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I knew how deep it could be. I knew how rich it could be. And I wanted that again. Um, but yeah, Mel and, and that whole team were really pivotal just in, in my gifting and, and that transition too. Um, so I grew up an athlete who had no idea that music was a part of my story at all. Um, which I think people find to be comical or they don't believe me. And I'm like, no, genuinely, I didn't know that I could sing. Uh, and yeah, I, we were joking about this the other day, but I, um, you know, I was so heavy into athletics and finding my value and my worth Mm -hmm. in that, um, that when I was in elementary school, our public school system had such a strong music program. So everybody had to do choir or band and, um my choir teacher was like I think you need to try out for all district choir and I was like I think that you're crazy is what I think (laughs) um and she was like no I really do I think you can do it and I was like all right I guess I'll do it and I go and I audition and I make it and my first thought is who did my mom pay yeah to let me into this thing (laughs) you guys are crazy not that we have any money for her to be giving to this but who did she convince to let me into this because oh I don't sing. And yeah. you're like, I'm um, a soccer girl. Right. Like, this is what I do. Um, and uh, yeah. And so I was just kind of shell shocked, but I kept doing it. And mm-hmm. again, the music program at Lake Highlands is so strong that everybody just kind of does choir, even if it's not yeah. like, even if it's not, you're going to go on to do yeah. music for the rest of your life. And so I kept kind of getting into these like small group things that I would have to audition for. But again, I never really thought like, oh, that's what I do. That's my gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get into high school and um, a, a few things happen in my life where sports were no longer a thing. And um, my asthma kind of took over and it just, it, I couldn't find my identity and my value mm-hmm. in that anymore. Again, my family is so heavily identified in that, that yeah. I felt like I was losing a limb. I yeah, felt like, like, am I a Barry if I can't exactly. play sports? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're Coach Barry's daughter, you're Chris Barry's sister. And I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, so much of me was tied to that. And the Lord stripped it and he did it for good reason. He did it to replace it with a gifting that I was actually created for. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stripping of that made way for me to kind of realize that music was a part of that. So this is high school. Yeah, so this is high school. Okay. I'm starting to like, oh, I do think that. I do like this. Yeah, I really I enjoy decent, it. And yeah. people think that I don't sound terrible. So that's cool. Really? Um, and I didn't grow up in a musical family. I mean, my dad is the biggest music buff I know apart from Trevor. Um, and, and can sing kind of, but, but not really. Um, and my brother kind of came out of the woodworks in college and like, okay. was like, oh yeah, I sing too. And I was like, well, what? Welcome. Yeah. This is fun. As you um, do. Right. You discover all sorts of things right. in college, right? <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so, uh, didn't really know, but my dad, I was always around music. So I grew up listening to Otis Redding, listening to mm. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, listening to Allison Krauss. I mean, the whole gamut, Dave Matthews. Um, so we had like Soul Town to uh, singer, songwriter, yeah. all of it. And um, I owe that a lot to my dad. And there were times where we'd be in his truck and he'd be like, can you sing that part again? And mm. I was like, why are you making a big deal out of this? Like, yeah. this is so strange. Anyways, by the time I got to Watermark, um, Melissa started to see a gifting in me um, with music and was like, I think we need to create space for you to just try to to help with worship. Yeah. I was like, are you guys sure? I, I don't know. Again, it was just people making space for me um, is a lot of the theme of my story. And Braun was like, yeah, like, let's do it. Let's, I mean, just so yeah. trusting. I'm like, who was I that you thought that? That you thought that I could step up and exactly yeah Yeah. and this was also like a strange time just within church culture like Mm -hmm. uh contemporary services were starting to be a thing and worship wars were ending and slash were kind of at the height and um (laughs) yeah it was a strange thing where women weren't really leading women Mm -hmm. were 
uh, blending into the background and Back adding, yeah, adding some BGVs and green. Uh, oh gosh, if somebody ever asked me to do that, <laughs> I clam up immediately. Um, yeah, and so I, I didn't really know what the expectation was. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what what was being asked of me. Yeah, um, and they they just invited me to be a part of the worship band and whatever that looked like, and I got to learn under Braun was one of the guys that yeah. led music as well. Um, and it wasn't a lot of real leading, but it was really formative in uh, how do you worship well when people are looking and how mm. do you do this with like as much humility as, as possible? And what does this even look like? How do you work with right. a band? As like, say, with like other people too. You're exactly. not just standing at your chair singing. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of a lot of what God taught me in the stripping of athletics was that he could take a gifting whenever he pleases. He's the yeah. one that instills it and he's the one that has control over it and it's for his glory. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm so grateful the order that they came in that, sure. um, that I'm always aware that my voice is his and that my voice could leave mm -hmm. in the next five minutes. And God, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> the utmost glory would continue <clears throat> to go to him because yeah. he's sovereign over it. And, um, so yeah, that they they just made space for me, which was crazy. How I mean, I have like so many questions because, <laughs> you know, as someone on leadership at a, at a church, mm -hmm. it's like that's exactly what we want. We right. want to make space for people to run in their giftings and like run Definitely. as hard as we can. Yet at the same time, there's wisdom and some discretion for sure. And not just like opening up the pulpit and like, all right, well, who wants to preach or right. All right, well, who wants to lead? Right? <laughs> right. Like there has to be some like, not vetting, but that, that, cause that sounds very like, you know, corporate, like right. I'm going to cut you. I think you're right. Thing. There but, has to be know, wisdom in it. There has to be wisdom in it. Like how, like, did you see that as a high schooler or now mm -hmm. like as a, as an adult, you're like, okay, well maybe here's kind of how they were thinking through things. Like, yeah. I mean, how do you even do that now? Like, I mean, I, you're, for sure. You have this job now. Like yeah. how how do we make space for people mm. to grow? Because I mean, obviously you didn't get to where you are now without people without making people room. making yeah. Right. And for you to practice. And I'm sure you failed a bajillion of times. And I need times. to hear some failure stories in a little oh, bit gosh. as well. Oh gosh. Um, but yeah. A plethora. So tell me about that, like weighing that. Like how do you balance that? Definitely. I would say to your first question, I don't think that I was aware of what that process looked like yeah. in high school. It would be interesting to call Mel right now and be like, yeah. so what so did what, what were you thinking? Yeah, were you, like, <laughs> I was like this sixteen year old exactly. just gonna be bopping in. Which yeah. like she's also one of the the wisest people I've ever known and has such a discernment of mm. of souls. And mm -hmm. so I, I trust her that she probably saw a lot more in me than an ability to sing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was faithfully attending. I was faithfully contributing to my small group. I was showing mm -hmm. up. I wasn't just um, some girl who was seeking it out, which yeah. is a, a tricky that, part of it too. Saying, and that's even hard because it's like, yeah. I I struggle with that a lot where it's like, I want to raise my hand, like, mm. hey, just FYI, like, I this can is how help. I'm gifted. This is kind of yeah. how I can do it, and I think there's so much value in that. But then there's also the like, maybe someone will just notice this gifting mm. and call it out. And I don't, is that a girl thing or is that an all know. people thing? Because it, it feels be. a little braggadocious to be like, hey, um, I can sing. Can oh, I? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, but then, then at there's the same a... time, how would anyone ever know? Exactly. Yeah. There. There definitely been seasons after I realized that this was a gifting mm -hmm. that I had um, where I felt like I shouldn't put my name in the hat. So mm -hmm. when I came to Sanford, I, I kind of spent my junior and senior year of high school then reclaiming myself as uh, people calling me the girl who sang, you know, so then that became my identity. Um, and it got it kind of got overwhelming, um, mm -hmm. especially within like that smaller circle yeah. of Watermark. Um, and. When I got to Sanford, I so desperately wanted people to know me for Lauren Berry and not for the girl who sings, the girl mm -hmm. who has a voice. And so I didn't tell a soul that yeah. I sang. And my first semester, um, I would go to Shiloh, which is like a worship mm -hmm. service on Tuesday nights. 
that met in this beautiful chapel and I would sob my eyes out in the back row and I would just let worship wash over me. And that was a season where I I needed somebody to lead me yeah. into worship and I needed for people to to know me as, as yeah. a human. Um, and then over time, it just, I think that as I started to share my story with people, that was obviously a big part of it. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, so you sing. Or you'd be driving around in the car with your friends and they're like, wait a second. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a friend of mine asked me to sing at a benefit concert. And that was the first time I sang at Sanford, maybe January or February of my freshman year. And then it just kind of opened a floodgate um, mm -hmm. in a beautiful path that led me to getting to lead worship for Shiloh for the rest of college and getting to be mentored by Brian Pitts and a whole other yeah. side of that. Um, so yeah, I think that there are times where I, I would say that it's really important to just come into a space and be known, be known mm -hmm. as a member of a church, be known as a soul before mm -hmm. somebody uses you for your gifting. At right. the same time, to sit on your gifting and to not walk out on it it's disobedience. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like there's this discernment that you have to have in this constant communication with the Lord of knowing like, yeah, am I, am I being disobedient and mm -hmm. not using the gifts that you've given me? Right. Or am I, yeah, like you were in a season where you were like, I just needed worship to, I needed someone else to lead me. For sure. And like being able to discern that I think is really tough. Yeah. And it's not just singing. I mean, there are plenty of other gifts. Yeah, you take know. take whatever it is. I mean, there Excel are plenty spreadsheets. Of, yeah. And if the church needed yeah. or like somebody who was gifted Teaching in a that. Bible study, like right. there are seasons where it's like, no, I'm just going to attend. I'm not going to yes. lead it. I'm not going to facilitate it. Like just. Which gonna, is necessary. Yeah. But yeah, if, <clears throat> if you had a beautiful gift of preaching and you kept it to yourself, and you didn't make much of his kingdom, yeah. the gift that he gave you for his glory, then I do think it's being yeah. disobedient. And there have been times in my life where the Lord just like straight up called me out yeah. via other people and were like, all right, now you're just, now you're running from this and mm -hmm. this is the path that I have for you. And so I'm going to need you to just come on over. Do you think you're more prone to one or the other? Are you more prone to either just like sitting on it or are you more prone to like, I probably should take a break and I'm not. I would say that in the past couple of years, the Lord has shaken me up enough to mm -hmm. say, this is not yours, it's mine. Mm. So you're going to do what I, yeah. what I want you to do with it. And, and now I'm in the season where um, I spent many years running from it. I also spent many years running from it because I didn't, I didn't see women doing it well. I didn't see mm. women from up front who weren't, extremely prideful mm. about it you know this was when I was in like high school and in yeah. college um and so I thought man if that's what the fall looks like from that gifting I don't want anything to do with it I don't mm. want to be puffed up with pride I don't want to be the center of attention and being on a platform has that temptation it has yeah. that that tendency and so I ran you know yeah. I thought man I probably can't handle that so I'm not going to do it um and I was you know through a couple of conversations and really through, um, I'm pretty sure it's Keller has a sermon called Blessed Self-Forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. And that was a pivotal moment for me in college of this false humility that comes from the denial of, of yeah. the gifting. And so, you know, the two versions of, hum uh, two versions of pride, one would be um, the obvious, like puffed up. Yeah. I am so gifted in this and look at me and all of that. And then the other side is making less of the gifting no 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 i'm not that good somebody yeah. coming up to you afterwards and saying wow i was so blessed by that you have mm -hmm. got the voice of an angel whatever and your immediate <laughs> your immediate response voice of an angel right Page your, right there. <laughs> your immediate response is oh no 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 or somebody else is so much better than me yeah. or whatever it is that's not humility then it's not celebrating the lord's gifting in you for sure yeah. it's like almost denying him glory. Exactly. And and yeah. you're so focused on yourself still. So yeah. in either camp, you're focusing on Lauren Starnes. Yeah. And I'm not worthy of focusing on. And so the, if my eyes are fixed on Jesus, if it's fixed on the gifting that he gave me and my role in it, 
then that I think is when you can find a healthy balance of, yeah. of that humility. But church needs people to serve and we need to create space for people to do that. And, and there is wisdom in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the tension I feel in, in my job now is I don't want to miss any opportunity to create space for somebody like people created space for me. Totally. But how do you do that? Well, when we're, I mean, you probably know the official number of where we're at these days. When we're X amount of people and uh, everybody has a particular gifting and should serve in the church. But, Mm -hmm. okay, do we have 300 musicians that we rotate in? We already have 60. So, (laughs) um, well, and I mean, even this is more like because I work at a church, not because I have any form of musical knowledge, which, you know, (laughs) Um, like I it always blows me away too. like. You have 60 musicians, but how many of them play drums? Mm. Yeah, probably five. Right. And so, like, there are these different areas of the music ministry, too, that, like, have a ton of people. And then there are other ones where it's like, no, the same five dudes are rotating in and out each week, you know. Um, So, yeah, like, having that, like, kind of niche gifting, too, it can be easier or harder to get. In. I right. hate using that terminology. Not yeah. to get in, but you know, it's like, hard to find a spot to serve and definitely in that way. But and I would say uh, there's like a there's a tension too that a lot of the growth in my gifting, a lot of growth in in leading worship, um, not just the music side, but definitely that included. But leading people came from the repetition of it all. Yeah. So when I was leading every single Tuesday for three years in college. And being shepherded by Brian and and having opportunities to grow and to be given feedback and and to yeah. watch a group of people who I who came to know me and trust me as a worship leader, um, that's where my my growth came. But it was because I got to do it often. And if we have a system where you mm-hmm. get to do it once every three months, it's you know, are you grow. are we really growing people? Yeah. All the questions I ask All myself on a questions. daily basis, I just want to do it it's well. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Oh, and yeah. it's why I'm not a part of it whatsoever. Right. <laughs> whatsoever. I'll create a spreadsheet for you. Hey, I need spreadsheets. <laughs> Listen, my mind does not work like that. Um, What would... I just completely lost my train of thought, so we're going <laughs> to we're gonna like nix that part. But cool. um, I had a question for you. Um, I want to know, I want to know one of your like biggest, biggest, biggest bombs. Well, I know like part of it is like which part of, I mean, cause there's a difference. There's a difference in standing on stage and singing Mm. and there's a difference between that and leading. For sure. Yeah. So kind of what's the difference? Mm -hmm. And then two, what do you think? What was like the hardest part of you like growing and maturing into a worship leader versus like mm. a pretty singer? Yeah. Yeah. I think the primary role when it comes to a worship leader, man, that's a, a bold statement. Uh, <laughs> love Jesus. Yeah. One, love <laughs> Jesus more than you love anything else. Um, one of the primary aspects of being a good leader of people is that you have to be accessible to follow. So mm. I could get up there all day long and and sing way out of people's range and all these sorts of runs right. and whatever it is. But if people can't come along with me, what's the point? Yeah. And the benefit of corporate gathered worship is a unified voice. Thomas Ritchie, one of our um, elders here, and one of our piano players, one of the most gifted humans I know, um, was talking to me recently about his favorite instrument is the collected voice of mm. God's people singing. Like that's what he would rather hear mm. over any other instrumentation that we offer on a Sunday. He would that, rather hear that Thomas. Richard. I know. God, God love him. Melissa is going to come. Oh, jeez, that's going to be. I know. Pure gold. That I family. I'm like just, just. Let your words <laughs> wash right. over me. Just give me all fact, the wisdom. In fact, bring Thomas. Bring right. the whole, all the kids. Just let it wash over me. Oh, yeah. Vale would be out here and Calvin. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and I, I agree. And if we can't 
if we can't lead people to a unified mm. voice, I think it's difficult to call yourself a worship leader. And and that's tricky. That's tricky here at Redeemer because we I have such a gifted array of musicians who oh, take sure. a beautiful creativity to what they do um, and sometimes can be a little bit difficult to follow. And so there, there's this this tension of bringing beauty to the table because mm -hmm. I think God loves beauty. Look at creation. Look at yeah. the mountains. Look at well. And once again, like He has given you, given you this unique gift. Mm -hmm. Like He has given you this gift with your voice, your creativity, like the way that you understand music, all of that. And so, yeah, it's like you don't want to like keep that back, right? Yeah, you bring yeah. you bring excellence to the table because yeah. God is excellent, you right. know, and and you bring as much of an offering as you can mm -hmm. because you want to honor Him um, and. But yeah, I think you have to understand the people that you're leading. You have to understand. Paige Beerman is in the pews. Right. She can't keep up. Right. And and it's that. And then as the <laughs> worship leader, you're also keeping temperature on and how, what are these people walking through? What is mm. like as we're picking songs and as we're walking through sermon series, my constant prayer is that so many aspects of what we do throughout a Sunday service would point to the gospel message that we're sitting in. So every right. song that we sing is geared in that way, the opening scripture, the benediction. How it all goes together. All of it should weave together um, to really drive it home. But at the same time, there's special circumstances where we need to create space to lament together. Mm -hmm. We need to create space to celebrate together. We need to create space to pray over people. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that means that I need to be we need to be in tune with who our people are and, and where they're walking. Right. We need to be leaders. And I can imagine there's this tension too between like the quality of the music mm. and the voices and all of that, like the artistry For sure. of it. We're also like, we're seeing some very deep theological words mm. that it's like you you want people to be able to like participate in both. Yeah. Like if as a congregant, I'm just caught up in the oohs and the ahs. For sure. And I don't even really recognize what I'm saying or what we're singing. Then it's like, well, that's just oohs and ahs. Yeah. And you then, just opened the door to every conversation <clears throat> our worship leader team has oh, ever really? had. Yeah. I feel it's so a beautiful, proud of myself. Oh, yes. It's yes. a beautiful, okay. a beautiful tension and it's a beautiful yeah. honor to find the tension. And, okay. um, in providing songs that that want to agree with the theology that we agree with mm -hmm. and that are deep enough to carry you through seasons that you need those things to be right. sung over you. So right. um, I think if you were to look at our song bank at Redeemer, you would see a variety of it, you yeah. know, that. And that's um, good. Yeah. And, and it's also hard. I, I mean, I come from a different background when it comes to worship than what we typically do at Redeemer. Um, and, and in that, um, I don't know, I've had conversations with people that can idolize one way or the other. And mm -hmm. I think we bring it all to the table. Mm -hmm. I think we bring um, headstrong worship that is theologically rich. You take all the hymns that you mm -hmm. have stored up in your brain and uh, if we could apply that that depth to modern day worship as well, we bring it to the table, and then we also bring contemplative, yeah, things, and and we we meet with God in the stillness of a song. We meet with God in the repetition of a song that that allows you to to almost meditate on yeah. His goodness. Um, so it's both. I, I always want to yeah. stand in the doorway of of protecting both because I think it's, totally no, there's there strengths in both. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, I can think of seasons where it's like, yeah, just already knowing the words and like it being a simple, just repetitive mm -hmm. thing is, is like exactly what my soul needs. Right. And I can just like contemplate and meditate on like these three words. Whereas other times, yeah, it's like in Christ alone. And it's like, I want to like think through each of these words, definitely. And, you know? So yeah, I think there's definitely, that's very interesting. Once again, the least musical person. <laughs> I'm stumbling into all of these things. I can't wait for you to sub in for me once I know. Like, oh, yeah. Paige, I'm sick. I need uh -huh. you to come Yeah, in. right. Right. That would be awesome. Oh, my word. That would that would not be awesome. I told uh, Josh Beerman that 
I was, he was like, I have a little podcast recording this morning. You know, I got a jet. He was like, oh, who are you with? I was like, Lauren Stearns. He was like, it's a missed opportunity if she doesn't sing on the podcast. Oh, my God. I would die. <laughs> I, which is, I was like, she would literally kill me. And we're done. It's yes. been great. Yes. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's time for me I to go. It. Um, well, I feel like we've covered a lot and honestly, a lot more music than what I thought. But of yeah. course, we would cover music because you're Lauren Barry Starnes. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's any other like. Oh, wait, you haven't given me your biggest flop yet. I need a biggest flop, flop story. Flop, 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 Um, Man, there are a lot. And uh, Matt Francisco can probably attest to 75% of them. Yeah. We've been leading worship together for so long. <laughs> um, there is one that that comes to mind. This is probably the one that I uh, share most frequently, which I should probably stop sharing because it's that embarrassing. <laughs> But here we are um, <laughs> doing it again. I was with Matt. We were leading at another church in uh, Birmingham. Mm -hmm. It was a very large church. And um, and we were invited as guests to, to lead worship. I was in college and he was on okay. staff with CO. And so we go and there's a new song that we're rolling out. And he, I got it maybe 24 hours before okay. we were going to sing it. Mm -hmm. But the pastor really wanted it to be done. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we can make it happen. And uh, it's the only song post-sermon. And so the mm -hmm. end of the set, right before the service ends, <laughs> and uh, the band starts it. And for the life of me, I cannot find the starting note. Cannot. Um. Cannot find it. And I am, I'm humming <laughs> to myself off the mic. I, I can't do it. Fran's trying to figure out whether he needs to jump in or not. Yeah, it's like, is something wrong? Oh, it was like, maybe she's caught up in it, which Joel Brooks <laughs> gives me a hard time all the time. I like missed a, a piece of liturgy on Easter and he was like, I knew the moment you stepped back and started looking at the trees that you weren't going to do. The I was Apostles kind of wondering. I, I was, like, was wondering because it was like in bro. the worship guide. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe we just messed up the order. Oh, no, it's me. Okay. I get too lost in it sometimes. And I have to come back to reality where I'm like, oh, I'm not just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm leading all of yeah. these people yeah. to the feet of Jesus. Um, oh, so, yeah, it's happening. I cannot find it. And then the worst mistake I could possibly make, I just go for it and I'm wrong. Totally mm. wrong. And <laughs> Fran panics and he jumps in. We get on track. But I start, I mean, th the service ends, the song ends, and I start like weeping uncontrollably. <gasps> weeping. I'm probably a junior in college. And, um, and I leave and I'm walking through the sea of people. The only way you could get out was like through Ugh, the lobby and everybody's so staring at me painful. and it's like, oh God, that girl, she just totally flopped. Um, and one lady came up to me and was like, you know, that's happened to me before she was a worship leader. Uh -huh. It's happened to me before and, and it's okay. And I just like could not keep it together. Sat in my car, wept, oh. called a friend and was like, I'll never lead worship again. I, I won't. End of story. I just flopped in front of 4,000 people Ugh. and I, I'm not gifted for this. I'm not good. Why would anybody mm. ever let me do this? So embarrassed. And um, yeah, and and Fran, we ended up having to lead a service at the, at the end of the day. They had an afternoon service oh, as well. Oh, so you were like- Oh, okay. I had to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. And the best part is that he was like, how about I just take that song? And I was like, that sounds great, but you're not going to be able to find the starting, the starting note. I just, uh -huh. I just know that you're not. And he was like, yeah, whatever. I can do it. And he flopped. No. In <laughs> service. So and you're like, okay, I feel And I better. was like, okay, I'm maybe I'm not the worst human on the planet. <sighs> um, I'm going to yeah. blame it on the song. What was that? I'm blaming it on the song. Oh, for sure. If you and Fran flopped. Come on now. Like, it's not yeah. you. It's the song. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my god. It was great. But I really did have a moment. And I think that that's important for people to know that that when you see um, somebody walking out, they're gifting. And they've been doing it for over a decade mm -hmm. that uh, that you're not seeing all of it. You're not seeing... I mean, I've flopped at Redeemer. I've flopped on Sunday services where uh, I've been off with an instrumentalist or I've straight up forgotten the words. And what I love about our church is that it is something that's like, you know what? Let's start, Let's over. start over. Yeah, it's not. I we aren't a performance-based church. We're a family yeah. who's gathering together to worship. And so 
If we need to start from the top, let's start from the top. If I mess up a word, my bad. But we're yeah. all sitting in our living room together here yeah. at our Avondale building and we're worshiping as a family. So yeah. come along. Yeah. Well, I love that moment. I mean, I've been here long enough to have seen several times where people are like, no, guys, this is wrong. We're just going to start over, you know. And I think there can be this like wall sometimes that Mm. tries to be built between the worship leader or the pastor Mm. and the rest of the congregation of like, this is where the experts are. This is where the super Christians are. And here are all the rest of us. And it tears down that wall. Absolutely. Like if If I could do that. (laughs) fumbles over his words or if a pastor's like, I'm sorry, like, I got to get water, whatever. It, like, just humanizes us. It's like, these aren't these, like, super, super, like, heroes or something, right? right? Like, they're people uh, with jobs and families, and they're volunteering their time. Who are showing up. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I think if I could, I hate messing up, and I hate the feeling of that. But if I could do it for the sake of that alone, of tearing down a wall between me and anybody that goes to our church yes. i would do it every sunday <laughs> well and i can't imagine how many times you've saved someone's someone's tail as well someone else messed up and you're like i'm gonna sweep it i eat me right. i've totally done that <laughs> like what's okay so what's so funny is um i guess so for people who would be listening i was our family was supposed to do the advent reading yes it was john was a baby Lots of things happened that right, morning. Right. Josh is not on time. Right. I am begging Joel Brooks to just delay like two minutes. Uh-huh. Like, we can't start on time. You can't start on right. time. He's on his way. Just just delay. He was like, the show must go on page. Right. And he, just, he said, buckle course, up. Let's he was go. like, here we go. Uh-huh. He's like, the Beerman family is going to do the Advent reading. And I woke up by like, myself. Right. And halfway <laughs> through the Advent reading, I see Josh and John like walk in. And they're like standing at the back uh-huh. of the sanctuary. And obviously, I'm just like mortified. I'm like, I'm powering through. We're going to read this. And I was supposed to pray at the end, but they had told me that there would be like a prayer written and there wasn't one written. And so I turned to you and I thought that you were like, oh, I have a prayer. Like, I'll, I got this. And so I was like, great. OK. And I just like right? let you do it and exited. <laughs> but come to find out there, you didn't have a prayer. Oh, no. You were, like, giving me the nod of, like, encouragement. You got this. Right. You were crushing it, And I was like, I'm going to throw all of my humiliation onto you, and you just finish this out. Tie the bow. Yeah. And he did. I was happy to do it. So I was, like, propping you up as, like, my savior. Like, oh, thank gosh, she had it. She, like, took it Oh, she's coming in. And And you were like, and I guess I'm praying. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Father. Oh, gosh. And it's those things. On Tuesday, Jeff asked me, he was like, what do you think is like one of the most surprising things like that people who maybe aren't on staff or aren't on leadership would be surprised at? And uh-huh. I'm like, it is that usually, like, I think a lot of people think we're like so much more like thought through and like we try planned out and we try, <laughs> right. but I'm like, yeah, like, especially in the old days, it would be like, Oh, this Sunday's, you know, whatever. Okay, well, it's Monday. Let's start getting to work on it, you know? And and I think some of that I, like, love. It's just still, like, this isn't a perfect machine. Right. You know, like. We're just doing our best to glorify God. Yeah, we're just people. And to love God's people. And you know what? Sometimes your family runs late. Right. And the red light catches them. Yep. I mean, our boys are the are the same age. Mm-hmm. I mean, how far apart are they? A couple months. A couple months. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was one of those. I was like, girl, I get it. Yeah. Trevor for sure would have been rolling in late, uh, and I would have been like, yeah. Okay. Well, it's funny too, is that like I had I had laid out, of course, you know, this perfect little, outfit. Yeah, this little like Southern reading. mama that I am, this perfect little <laughs> oh like Christmassy bubble thing for him. And I was like. Maybe just get to the church and like put it on there. That way you don't so like spit, spit up, up all oh, over. Sure. And Josh walked in and John's like in his footy PJs and he's got like the hanger with his Christmassy <laughs> outfit. And I was like, You want us to come up now? I was or like, you want me just, to- <laughs> you know what? Just, I got this, you know. So, That's awesome. oh Lord, I love it. Um, well, I think to, to close, mm-hmm. what would you say to the girl who is, Maybe she's college. Maybe she's right out of college and she's listening to this and she's mm. like, yeah, I think the the Lord has gifted me musically. Mm. Um, what is, like, what's the encouragement in that? Yeah. What are the, like, practical just, hey, 
do this, practice this, what, like, what would you say? Lots of things. I would say, give me a call and let's hang. Um, You do that a lot. Yeah. And I love it. Uh, That's so soul um, just feeding to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, genuinely talk to your community about it. Mm -hmm. Um, What's tricky about uh, being gifted musically is that it may not always mean that you're anointed as a, as a worship leader, you know? So there's a, there's a difference. Some people, I am, I am not gifted as a performer. If you put me on something like The Voice and said, performing all in front of these people, I would clam up and yeah. would probably just pass out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but get me in front of God's people and, and I come alive. And so finding out what specifically that is. You could be a musician for sure, mm-hmm. but what is your particular gifting? Um, and you could make much of his kingdom being on secular radio, you know, like find, find the avenue that it is. If you start to pray through that and you think that it is leading God's people into worship, it is Christian music. I think that you get plugged into a local church and let those people know you for who Mm -hmm. you are. Let them care for you as a member first before your giftings are used. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that we believe really heavily at Redeemer is that we want members to serve within music because mm-hmm. it's a really taxing ask of people. It's a lot of hours and- um, It's a high calling. Yeah, and there's really a high people. responsibility because yeah. we would say that our drummers are leading people into worship. For we sure. would say our electric, our players are leading people into worship. Our bassists are keys players. and. Um, Go and so West it's a, on the... you know, woony woon, <laughs> he's doing it. And, and he has, he has a responsibility mm-hmm. to, to do that at a high calling. Um, and so if that's the case, then I'm asking more of him than I would ask a paid musician to just come and pop in and play right. a set on Sunday and leave. And even his, not just woon, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> not just poor woon. I, like, I called him out. <laughs> um, I just remember him like rocking out like guitar oh, for solos sure. yeah um and, can garth be our poster Bro- child. and garth brooks absolutely um, <clears throat> but i think within a church setting like you're all you're not just accountable to your behavior or your perf- quote performance on a sunday but like how you live outside how you of live that. outside of that because i mean like it or not you are a visible leader right in our church and so yeah like what happens monday through saturday yeah also matters for sure and and you know i think you started um, by saying that I've been a familiar face and that if I, I've only been on staff, I guess it'll be two years if we do our math. Um, yeah, I still can't really. Who cares? I haven't had enough I'm coffee. Here, I don't know. Right. You've just here. <laughs> I haven't had any coffee. I haven't had breakfast. Um, but yeah, if if we, if we, the, those people are the people that are on a platform, they're probably mm-hmm. more recognizable than our elders who yeah. give so much of themselves to this church and lead us in decision-making but the people that are up on a Sunday are yeah, the people that are preaching yeah. and, the, and the people that are playing music. And so mm-hmm. we have a really high responsibility um, to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say that if that church is going to ask a lot of you, that it's their responsibility to to invest in you and in your soul care and to make sure that you're being taken care of outside of your gifting, that mm-hmm. we're not just using you because you have a voice. We're using you because we love you. And because we want to make space for you to walk out your calling, yeah. um, which is, I mean, again, Redeemer has been nothing but kind to me in that way too. You know, yeah. felt called into ministry and was like, shoot, I'm going to have to move churches because we don't have space for that on staff. Mm-hmm. And instead was met with a pastor who had known me for years mm-hmm. and had been a part of my life who had seen me serve and had seen this gifting in me. And instead said, let's talk about it. And if we can yeah. make space, we'll make space. Like, what? <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's mind blowing to me, the kindness that people have had. Um, but yeah, let let people speak into your calling too. Um, if, you, if you're if you sure and you think, man, this is, this is definitely mm-hmm. my gifting. Great. Let other people affirm that as well. Because you could be all sorts of confused about what you're actually yeah. supposed to be doing. And the people that walk alongside of you could either come along and affirm and say, of course, are you crazy? Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for you to come to this realization. Or could say, 
man, I, I know that that is a gift that you have, but I really feel like God is carving out this path towards women's ministry. I really feel yeah. like this, that what you're actually geared towards is to serve children or to, to serve in discipleship at your church or whatever the path is. Um, Sometimes the actual gift itself is not what the calling is, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So, you know, I could have a voice, but maybe God wanted me to do something different. Yeah, um, maybe he calls you to move overseas. and Absolutely, and to be a long-term missionary, which was what yeah. I was contemplating in college, you yeah. know. Um, and to have open hands with it, that, that how he wants to use you is on his terms and you're called into obedience in all that you do with your life and it is for your betterment yeah that you would walk in according to how he has your life played out like i have so much more joy now that i have submitted to this calling and i've walked in this gifting and now it's a surrendered posture of god wherever you want to take me i'll serve at redeemer community church for the rest of my days if that's where you have me if you want me to go anywhere else, I'll go. If you want me to yeah. serve in bigger contexts, I will. If you want me to serve to two people, yeah. I'll do it, you know. Um, but just having a willingness to know that it's not yours, it's his. Last chance, are you sure you won't sing oh on the podcast? <laughs> and scene. <laughs> um, seriously, thanks a lot. Totally. Thanks a lot. You have like just boo koodles of wisdom and grace to give so oh, thanks for having me thanks for bringing your little girl up here oh let for her, sure she's letting her take a, yeah letting her take a nap at redeemer community church she's the dreamiest i mean she's a cute one for yeah. sure i'll keep her also go get some breakfast and some coffee we should do that yeah that's yeah. like such a life of a mom you're like i got my kids out and dressed and ready yeah, yeah and I you're got like what i needed to do got my baby down for a nap mm -hmm. and here we go and mm -hmm. also I like, should... also wait What's my, why is my stomach rumbling? Why do I feel oh, weak? Oh, I haven't eaten. <laughs> haven't eaten. Uh, yeah, love it. That's um, awesome. You're the best. Thanks.